Hey, podcast family. As I've told you before, I get ideas for episodes based on clinical practice and things that happen day to day. That's one of the good things about going to work every day is that it's a great source of ideas or topics for this podcast. Well, today I finished call at 5 p.m. at the hospital. And as typically happens, at 4.45, a patient comes in with rule-out ruptured membranes. So, of course, we did our sterile speculum exam, and then we were sending off an ancillary test to look for a biomarker. In this case, we collected ROM+. Now, again, this is not a sponsored program for ROM+, or Amnesure, although we're going to discuss both. But my point is, right before we did the speculum exam, I was with our intern, and our intern, mean very well, grabbed a speculum, coated that sucker in gel, and was about to insert. And that's where I said, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. We can't do that. And he looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. I mean, what do you mean we're not going to use gel on a speculum? Well, are we going to use a gel on a speculum for sterile spec exam for determination of ruptured membranes? Because best practice actually has an answer for that. So if you use gel for your speculum, this may kind of push you in the other direction or rub you the wrong way. But sorry, evidence is evidence. So let's cover sterile speculum examination to lube or not to lube. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Okay, so here's where the confusion comes in regarding the use of water-based lubrication on the speculum for these vaginal exams because these are really two different populations. We're either talking about gynecology or in obstetrics. So now let's do obstetrics in just a moment. But as it relates to gynecology, the truth is that placement of a dry speculum, especially in a patient who's perimenopausal or menopausal, is just uncomfortable and that's the last thing we want to do to our patients has caused them discomfort or pain. And historically, we kind of feared all of this lubrication on the speculum back in the old pap smear days when paps were collected on a slide because a lot of that lubrication caused artifact on the slides or drying effect and it made the pap just not readable by the pathologist. But of course, we now know, and there's plenty of data that's published, that water-based lubrication does not affect the collection or the interpretation of pap smear tests or even nucleic acid amplification tests for infection. However, of course, the saying is no good deed goes unpunished, right? Because if you put too much gel, especially during a procedure like an IUD insertion, that sucker is going to shoot right back at you, especially if the patient kegels. So for things like IUD insertions, I use the bare minimum amount of lube on the top and bottom blade, just enough to aid in insertion, but not enough that's going to kick the speculum back out, because that's the last thing you want to do is be instrumenting the, the uterine cavity, and then the speculum slides out. And I've been there, it's happened to me, and of course, it's very frustrating. So remember, especially if you're doing a gynecological procedure, just use a very small amount of lubrication on the top and bottom blade to aid insertion, but don't overdo it, or it's going to work against you as the speculum will slide out and therefore can increase the risk of complication.
Now let's move over to the OB side. Remember that because of the hyperemia of pregnancy and the increased secretions or leucorrhea of pregnancy, it's not unusual for women to have increased vaginal discharge during pregnancy. We get that. So lubrication is not always necessary. And this is vital, especially when we're assessing for the presence of ruptured membranes. Now in a patient who's grossly ruptured, I mean, she coughs and you see it come out of the vagina and it's not urine and she's termed, that may not be as critical, but remember that sterile speculum examination is the clinical gold standard for determining ruptured membranes. Now, before we get into answer the specific issue on the use of lubrication on the speculum for sterile spec, we got to talk about this quote, quote, gold standard, all right? Because the clinical gold standard is not a lab test. It's still physical examination. It's visualizing leakage of fluid through the cervix with cough or valsalva or visualizing pooling of fluid in the posterior fornix. Things like nitrazine pH testing and fernine are still listed as clinical tests, although, of course, they're very very hard to do. They have a lot of intra-observer variability and they really lack both sensitivity and specificity. But the most sensitive and the most specific is if you can visualize fluid leaking from the cervix with maneuvers or actually seeing pooling of amniotic fluid in the posterior fornix, then that is your most sensitive and specific on physical examination. Now, the lab bench gold standard is something that's just not done. It's indigocarmine installation into the uterine cavity under ultrasound and then putting the tampon in the vagina. That's a tampon test where if you inject blue contrast or blue dye into the uterine cavity, the idea is that if she's ruptured, well, of course, it'll turn the tampon blue after about 20 to 30 minutes of ambulation. But nobody does that because the indigocarmine installation test is invasive and ironically, of course, that could cause ruptured membranes. So we don't do that. By the way, remember, it's indigocarmine that's usually considered that gold synquinone, without a doubt, gold standard, and not methylene blue, because the methylene group of methylene blue can actually be quite an irritant and a toxic agent to the GI tract of the, of the neonate, of the infant. So remember, if you're ever asked about the installation tampon test, it's not with methylene blue, but only with indigocarmine. And of course, that's more of a historical or a research interest, it's not really done in clinical practice anymore. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that brings us to these ancillary tests, things like placental alpha microglobulin 1 or PAMG1, which is marketed as Amnisure, and ROM Plus, which actually uses two biomarkers, alpha fetoprotein and instant-like growth factor binding protein 1. So the truth is, whether you use Amnisure or ROM Plus based on your preference or the preference of your institution or your hospital, the truth is they're pretty comparable and they both have pretty similar performances. They both have very good negative predictive values, over 99%. And the truth is they are pretty sensitive because they can detect very small amounts of these bioproteins in this amniotic secretions or amniotic fluid. 
However, remember, these are just lab tests. And according to the ACOG Bulletin on diagnosing pre-labor rupture of membranes, we have to remember that these are, in fact, ancillary. You can't rely on that completely for the diagnosis of this. It's still based on physical examination. There are false positives that can occur with high leaks, and there can be false negatives that can be due to collection error or prolonged time of rupture. Specifically for amnesia, it's in the label that if the sample is collected more than 12 hours from initial time of rupture, then that could actually increase the chance of being a false negative. And there's one specific caveat here under the listing of potential false negatives. And that's, yep, you guessed it, the use of lubrication gels. Oh, and I can hear you already. Yep, I can hear you. Hey, wait a minute, Chapa. Tell me where it says in the steps not to use a lubrication on the speculum. Well, it's actually not in the steps, but it is in the instructions for use under interpretive analysis. Yep, it's in there. Under the listings of potential false negatives, for amnesia specifically, it states that some of the limitations of the test are, for example, when samples are taken more than 12 hours or later after a rupture, because that could lead to false negative results. Yep, we have to ask when they actually thought they ruptured, because going straight to amnesia or to an ancillary test and putting complete trust in that test, and if it's negative, it could lead you the wrong direction, because Actually, it's tied, the sensitivity is tied and the specificity to testing from point of rupture. Also in the amnesia label, it states that you shouldn't do the test earlier than six hours after last use of any vaginal disinfection solution or medications applied to the vagina. And here it is, quote, placenta previa. Performing digital exams with contaminants like KY jelly or the use of vaginal antifungal creams or even baby powder may lead to inaccurate results. Specifically, when there's frank blood on the swab, that could lead to a malfunction of the test or potential false positives. And things like KY jelly could actually lead to false negatives. And here's what's interesting. If you look up the March of Dimes steps for sterile speculum examination, it actually says not to use lubrication because, especially if it's water-based, some of that water can become liquefied in the vagina based on the patient's body heat, and that could mirror false positive results because it could look like ruptured membranes. Or, as a second note, once that speculum is removed and that gel starts to liquefy in the vagina, the patient can then have fear or concern that now she's ruptured after she got sent home because now she's leaking gel from the vagina. So best practice, both in the amnesia IFU or instructions for use, and even in the March of Dimes listing under the procedure steps for sterile spec exam, it states not to use lubrication jelly. Sterile spec examination, it's a vital part of the physical examination and the clinical gold standard for diagnosing ruptured membranes. And we got to get that correct because missing the diagnosis and sending the patient home when in fact she's ruptured risks the potential for intramniotic infection. So doing the procedure correctly and collecting ancillary tests like amnesia or ROM plus are vital to make this diagnosis correctly. 
Now remember, the best practice is to not use lubrication on the speculum, not only because it can interfere with the test or the analyzer result, but also it can deposit gel in the vagina, can leak out of the vagina after she goes home, and it could cause confusion for the patient and the physician after initial evaluation. So, to lube or not to lube? Well, for gynecology, go ahead and lube. But for OB, for the diagnosis and the evaluation of ruptured membranes, nope, no lube is going to have to do. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Mm-hmm.